Steve. Ah, oh, my performance anxiety. Gregor. Oh, my God. And Greg. Welcome to Maximum Collective, Episode 7, West Coast Lighting. I'm your host, Steve Otto Connor. We also have Greg Big Raw Ringley. Hey. We also have Gregor Absolute McGrath. Welcome to the show. Mr. Tai Chi Latte. We also have a very special guest. Some of you know him, some of you don't. Uh, he's helped some of us even find a helicopter as far away as a quarter of a mile, thanks to his lighting abilities. <laughs> his lightness himself, Satinder. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be on. Super excited awesome. to have you here. Fun show tonight. Oh, yeah. So for those of you that have always been curious about how to light up a helicopter or what the options are to fly at night, we have brought the expert on. I've seen some of his work. Uh, he's done it. Uh, night blade slash canopy setups all coordinated um, I was lucky enough to get to see Bobby Watts with his Dalcon setup 10 years ago and that was definitely top of the line and I believe Satinder has stepped that up another level but I think we're going to cover like all the basic stuff as well and go over a lot of that stuff so we're going to light the way we are first I just found out, as I think some of you have, and it'll probably be common knowledge by the time this comes out, but we found out that Only Find Helis is closing. They didn't have an official date yet. Um, I don't know when he's starting to sell off his inventory, but his other business has kind of taken priority, and the way the heli market currently is, it, it doesn't make sense for him to stay in is the way I read it. So very sad to see that. I think everybody here has purchased something from him, and I know especially when I've been at a fun fly on the East Coast, it... Uh, I've always bought something because he's got parts. It was always great seeing them guys too. The fun fly. Yeah. They're always such Absolutely. a good part of the fun fly, you know? Absolutely. They're definitely the yeah. best. Yeah, that's a bummer. I hate seeing that in our hobby, but yeah, like I said, it's it makes sense with sign of the what times, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm a little surprised that we haven't heard any new news on Urcha West Coast. Uh, I would be kind of expecting to hear more details come out about that. I know some questions have come up, how they're going to handle certain things and everything else, and I don't think I've come across any of that information yet. So that will be interesting. Yeah, yeah we'll keep our eyes out, though. There will probably be more coming here shortly as we get closer to the event. Yeah, right. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. But we've got some other events coming up, right? Yeah. Looks like we've got, what, the RC Heli Hoedown, October... 7th, 8th, and 9th in Fernley, Nevada, hosted by Jeremy Martin. And then, Greg, what's uh, what's this? The Southwest Heli Rodeo. I've never heard of that. you know anything about that? Yeah, it's a bunch of crazy guys out in the middle of the desert, you know. <laughs> they call it a rodeo. You know, like it's horses and stuff, but it's really helicopters. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, there could be some dirt involved in some blowing around of dirt and kicking some stuff up, depending on how low you get, right? Yeah, so we were at the venue last weekend. I tell you what, even if we didn't bring a helicopter, the view is amazing. I checked out some of the aerial photos and some of the photos around there. It sure looked like it. Yeah, it's it's going to be a fun event. 
And you all saw uh, Doug Darby was posting the video of our motor getting broke in. I did see that. That's pretty cool. The yeah. whole device setup he's got. Yeah, that he's getting the raw gasser put together for us. It's going to be one of our big raffle items we're going to raffle off at that weekend. A ready-to-fly gas helicopter. It'll be interesting oh. when I fly my new helicopter. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it belongs to Danny Warritz. Yeah, Danny's claimed it already. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I think I'm going to win it. There you go. Be <laughs> Danny's going to have the line, so it can't be Danny's, right? <laughs> wow. Ooh, oh, no. Danny. It's a good yeah. thing he doesn't listen to the podcast anyway, though. <laughs> so, what else he we got? He does. He does. I hear him. There's one other event, right? There's the, <laughs> what, um, Winter Bash? Orlando, Florida. Yeah. Who's That's going what? to that one? I, I, my wife and I are planning on going there that weekend. I'm going to go out a couple days early to the event, and then she's coming out after that. We're going to go uh, hang out in the Orlando area for a few days. That's awesome. It's that first weekend in December. You know, I, the only time I've ever been out that way to a fun fly was when they did the Orlando Heli blowout. And uh, I think it was on like an old landfill or something like that, but uh, that was a good time. That was a good time. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing a bunch of the East Coast brothers back there. Go hang with the guys. Heck yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. So, our his lightness himself is blessing us tonight. <laughs> Going to illuminate our evening, brighten our day, shed some light on a topic. Charge our aptitude for night setups. Yeah. Yeah. While we're all having our glasses of whiskey, we're going to get lit to the max. <laughs> I would never do that, sir. These are like dad jokes, man. They're I don't know. Terrible. I don't want to know how long you guys spent planning those jokes. Are you ready? He want one oh, more? no. He... You ready one more? Go ahead. Brighten my day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty quit. sure he was showering thinking this stuff up oh, this morning. Coming up with, that's, that's where he comes up with all his best material in the shower. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have to use a video camera to capture all the ideas so I don't lose them. Oh, there's an image I did not need. <laughs> I posted on my Patreon site, you know, only $9.99 a month. I don't think Patreon's a website for that. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Satinder, what are we going to, where are we going to start? Well, let's, let's first off, for those that don't know Satinder, yeah. Satinder, how long have you been flying, buddy? Uh, yeah, so I started flying in 2012, so it's about 10 years now. Um, I was, I just finished my freshman year in high school. And I needed something to do over the summer. So I was like, hey, dad, uh, can I get an RC helicopter? And I showed him, like, oh, you know, so get something from, like, Best Buy or Radio Shack. And my dad is always the kind of person where if you're going to buy it, you buy it right. So he's like, no, we're going to get you something that's proper. So we went down to my local hobby shop, um, talked to the owner, uh, went through the different models they had, ended up picking up a Blade 120SR, fixed pitch helicopter. Spent a long time flying that one. So I kind of went from there. Well, that's cool. So what do you fly now? Um, right now, I've got an interesting fleet. I've got a Kraken Spectre V2 that is able to convert back and forth between a day and night rig, uh, Protoss Nitro. Uh, right now, I have Alex Rose's Protoss 700, which I'm converting into a dedicated night rig, um, Logo 480s, Protoss 380s, that kind of stuff. Yeah, last time I saw you, you had like three Logo 480s. Uh, I've got four. 
Okay. <laughs> so you're trying to make Ken jealous with that then, huh? Yeah, it's a, it's a nice heli. I really like it. And they are. A, they're, they're great helicopters. I got a bunch of parts for it, so not too concerned there. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So what type of flying do you like to do? What's your your style, if you described it? Um, That's a tough one. Uh, I'm not a smack 3D guy, low to the ground. I like the kind of set maneuvers kind of thing. A um, couple of local pilots here, we go through the RCHN PVP. So we'll pick up maneuvers, kind of practice on them, that kind of stuff. So Very a lot cool. of set maneuvers, smooth flying. All right. What's your next What's your next fun fly? Are you going to uh, make it up to Nevada? I will be at the, um, the the rodeo. I will only be there for a couple hours, unfortunately, because uh, I'll be working that weekend. Are you doing uh, What do you do? Photos or uh, what you're doing up there? Are you? Yeah, that's from. I'm working for my dad that weekend. Cool. I was like, I was like, hey, I got a fun fly. He's like, I will give you a good paycheck. Please come by. I'm like, hey, conveniently, it's not in Tucson this year. It's right next to Phoenix, so I'll be able to spend some time there. Nice. So if you guys want to talk to his lightness <laughs> himself or brightness, whatever way you want to go with it, he will be there, and you can ask all the questions in between us picking on him. There you go. All right. That's what friends are for. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> so I kind of hear you have an agenda of some stuff you want to talk about. Yeah, definitely. So I had a little bit of information prepared. Uh, what I did was I broke it down with levels of night flying. So I have level one through six, kind of starting out with what, a lot of people will be familiar with, and then kind of going down a little bit more and more complicated. Well, let's roll. All right. So, so uh, Steve, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I was going to say, you were talking about construction lights, which right. I've flown under. Um, for example, I kind of like the... It's weird, because I've flown under LED, and I've flown under the... Are they halogen? Yeah, generally uh, halogen. But the ones that have, they have the flicker rate versus the LEDs that don't. Correct. So like KBDD blades and such, they really pop underneath those. And some people really annoys them because they flicker. Uh, but I actually really dig it. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely. So the first thing that most people will be familiar with is construction light towers. You'll see that these at most fun flies, um, having run a fun fly and gotten these towers, there's a lot of pressure to get those because that is the expectation that people have. So generally, people will set up two light towers. Um, ideally, we'll have four. You know, that's what we did in San Diego. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, when you set them up, you know, make sure they're behind the pilot. So that way, if the pilot has to look to their left or their right, they do not get blinded by them because helis turn dark real quick when you have a giant light shining in your face. So, you said behind the pilot. I actually like to stand behind the lights. You know, so that's one between, of those things. But behind. Uh, if you fly a little bit farther out, it makes that easier. For guys that fly closer in, you, sometimes it'll be dark if they're right. standing behind the lights. So that's one of the things, too, is the lights are set in a certain spot. And you are able to make the judgment as to where you want to stand, given the flight line. So it's an interesting that. point. I don't see a lot of people always feel they have to fly in the same spot. But when you're the only person on the flight line and construction lights, Ben, move mm -hmm. forward, move backwards, left or right, whatever works for yeah. you, because you're the you're the dude at that time. Exactly. Or the dude at. Depending on safety, you set the flight line. So whatever you're comfortable with. So you say, hey, look, I like standing behind the lights. Some people like in front of the lights. That's the main thing there. Yeah, I'm kind yeah. of an in front of the light kind of guy. I like to be well well in front of them myself. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I did the same thing. I with my glasses, I don't like getting that glare, so, so I try it, to get it a little further into, out into the lens back at you. Right. So I tend to try. I tend to stand a little deeper out into the field, away from the lights. I find myself if I get too close to the lights. I look left and right. I start getting a lot of glare in my glasses. You know, it's funny because I stand back behind the lights because when I wear my glasses at night, I get glare. 
So I, I don't stand in front of the lights. I actually stand behind them and I find that to be way better. So it's just, it's interesting to hear the different aspects of that. And Gregor, honestly, I, I can't believe you just don't block the lights standing in front of them. <laughs> it gets a little dark. I'm trying to, to, to tone the light down, you know, like an eclipse. <laughs> I'm working on my comedic set in case I've got to change jobs. So if any of you guys have any, you know, suggestions, like stop doing comedy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because gotcha. um, like for Gregor, you know, an example for you there is you do a lot of that big air stuff at night with the nitros, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you're flying, those lights need to be positioned in a way such that it does not disappear or go black based on the yep. angle of the light. Because you're yeah. flying right up on the edge of that barrier of the light fall off. Mm -hmm. So the positioning themselves of the actual bulbs is going to be very important for someone like you. Yeah. So each side has four individual uh, bulb sections you can angle. Two of them obviously want to go towards the inside. And then the outside ones, you can point them a little bit up and outward to get a little bit more distance out of it. Yeah, definitely. I like to push the limits where the helicopter disappears. You know, yes, you do. I've seen it in person. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And of course, um, Steve, you mentioned that earlier. The flicker with some of these lights. I know a couple pilots. They will not fly under construction light towers. Just Alex because. Rose. Yeah, that's a big name right there. Because the flicker is very noticeable. A lot of these are, I believe, uh, 60 hertz here in the States. So that type of strobing effect, depending on like the speed of like a funnel or a maneuver, it can really get uh, choppy on you. And that's, that can be unsafe. So that's definitely something you got to watch out for. Yeah, that's one thing that really gets to me, too, is that the strobe, I call it the strobe effect, where it just starts it, like the helicopter has these little glitches in the sky. It can kind of. Sometimes it makes me a little dizzy, but I just deal with it. I have had the opportunity to fly under LEDs before, and I, I loved it, you know, but uh, I, I could pretty much handle either one, but not for everybody, I guess. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I think that kind of wraps it up for construction lights. Uh, the next one I kind of associate with you because uh, we used the spotlight to actually fly in one of my helicopters when I first met you. Thank you still so much. All right. So this uh, we cannot my not tell this story. Right over here. So let me tell you the story. So this is February of 2020. We we're at the Marshall Ranch in Livermore, California. I had just bought the spotlights. I hadn't even night flown yet. This is like Thursday night. I got them all set up, charged, looking pretty, sitting on my table. And I see Steve O'Connor. I didn't know him at the time. I'd just gotten there meeting the fresh group of people. And I see him flying a helicopter. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, it's, he's got the giant area lights on. It's pretty dim, but he's still flying. And I just see him walking past my tent with his transmitter in his hand. I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, oh, I lost my heli. I'm like, well, shoot. Uh, let's go look for it. I grab the lights. He grabs a couple. And then we have Jim Perry. And, uh, and, Brad Perry. and Brad Perry, unrelated. They all grab a light, and we're out there just hopping fences, going through fields, getting yelled at by farmers, disturbing the sheep. And a quarter mile away, we find this mm. the helicopter. Yeah, Gregor got stuck right okay, there. Okay. No, no, time out. Uh, there were sheep in the field. That's what's going on. Oh. So the Every time 16... I kicked the helicopter on, because it was on its skids, we could hear it spool yeah. up. So generally oh. what we were, try we were trying to do is we wanted to spool up the helicopter and hear the blade scraping on the ground, right? You know, just figure out where it is. We don't hear any blade scraping sound. So we just keep going farther and farther and farther. The reason why we didn't hear the noise is because the helicopter was on its skids. What? But the sheep, yes. every time I every time we would flip on. the helicopter, on, the sheep would get louder and louder and louder. Oh, that's awesome! So we finally find it. It's in this poor lady's yard, disturbing her sheep. She brings the helicopter to us, 
and uh, we went out for dinner and talked about it. That was amazing. So that <laughs> so, was so, so a woman really found the helicopter and brought it. Yeah, to you. she was holding wow. it by the tail fin like a dead bird. Oh, yeah. how funny! It was. It, it she literally it walked out. It, it was hilarious. It was just yeah. a five sixteen, so yeah, wasn't a huge helicopter. But yeah. I landed. It's my longest auto ever. Yes, a quarter of a mile away. It was beautiful. Wow. So, I take credit. Those lights in question that we had, um, these were the, still are, the Ryobi P717. They're part of the 18-volt system. Um, cost for four of them is about $500. That includes the light, batteries, chargers, all of that stuff. Not so sponsored by Ryobi. Nope. Paid for those full price. So those batteries uh, in four lights, it's plenty for a night of night flying. Uh, if you're at a fun fly trying to support a crowd, that'll get you going. Um, obviously, you do want to recommend having extra batteries just in case it gets a little bit too long. But here locally, um, we will night fly for several hours straight. And uh, four batteries with four lights is plenty. We're talking any sort of pilot. So we've flown with under Nix Maxwell. We fly guys that are just hovering around. Um, the whole benefit to these types of lights is the actual beam that comes out of them. So they have a super strong beam in the center and with a little bit of bleed off on the sides, so that way, in case someone you know misses it a little bit, you still have some light on it. So that's so, a huge benefit. How, well, the other benefit I think is if you have a Garrett Uku flying at Mach nine, <laughs> roughly ninety miles an hour, and you come to a wild coyote stop into a fence and annihilate your six nine six into pieces, everybody can spotlight the debris field. Exactly. I mean that was definitely <laughs> a benefit that night for Garrett and his debris field. Yeah, that, yeah. That's and he laughed about it, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I will attest to those lights. Uh, so Tinder recommended those lights for our Lincoln Funfly, and uh, they they supported us the entire night, and they worked fantastic. Really, really appreciated the info on those. Now here, I have I have a lot of questions about those when people use them, and okay. my only suggestion to people is mind where you're you're putting the light to like if you got a guy and he's flying far to your left and you're on the far right don't try to spotlight the helicopter you need to be ready to come back in because you're going to shine your light into their eyeballs directly into their eyes so exactly. i've seen a couple of spotters not really pay attention to that but as far as the lights go like even if you have two lights and the other two people are still trying to catch up you still have plenty of light and you can fly off of one light honestly yeah um, so we actually decided to push the limit one day and see what we could do um, flying a Logo 380, obviously. Two lights. One guy standing next to me. Two lights in his hands. It is just enough to do a little bit of smack right in the box. Um, it is sketch, but technically speaking, it is doable. So when that way, when you have two people that are you know a little bit tipsy and they can't point the light straight, that peripheral light coming off of them is just enough to support the light uh, for the two people that are actually uh, getting the helicopter in the center. Sweet. Very cool. Yep. One of the biggest benefits with spotlights that I do like is crowd participation. When you have things like construction light towers, uh, the bugs, the moths, and the noise is actually really loud. Um, it's when you're standing next to it, you're flying next to it, right? So that sound is traveling a lot. So you have a lot of noise pollution. And when you're doing spotlights, there is no sound. So you have people that are watching the flight because four people have to. And then you have a crowd that comes along with it because of the intensity. So that is one of my favorite things about it is you get the crowd going. You have a lot of participation. Everybody can take turns flying. Uh, it's a People pretty fun environment. People definitely cheer more. It, it does get more people in yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. People get really, really jazzed up over it. And it's, it's Almost. just, and then it gets the pilot going too, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although there's been some times at Urchip where it was really cold at night and standing in the exhaust from the construction light towers was, you know, nice because it was warmer. Did you get sleepy? Just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Tell me so, later on. Yeah. So what is your Arizona? Bit. You're talking like below 80 degrees. So when it's cold, like 75? Yeah, I want to get 78, 79. Yeah, yeah no, it's right, right, too right, cold. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So one of the other things too, um, is that uh, the positioning is the same idea for the light towers and the spotlights. Um, you want to stand in front of the spotlights so that way you're the primary, uh, the, uh, the flight line setter. You don't want people creeping up with spotlights because people sometimes do move. And um, you got to be careful not to fly too close to the flight line because if you come out and do a hurricane that is right on the line and you have people standing on the edges, uh, you have to be mindful with that because those people will start taking a step back and they might stop paying attention. So you do have to be careful of the people and respectful of the people that are holding the lights for you as well. Yeah. Basically make sure you everyone sets the flight line. You understand where the pilot's at. Keep everybody exactly. safe. Exactly. Safety is always number one thing yeah. there. Um, one thing I do like spotlights about is people are always nervous about flying under spotlights for the first time. Uh, it is in my opinion and a lot of people's opinion that they are easier to see than construction light towers because yep. In, in terms of, you know, a crowd, you got a wild heli and you don't know where it's going. You look up, it's the only thing lit up in the sky. And you can see that directly. Whereas construction light towers, you know, there's a lot of no, uh, light pollution. It could be anything going on. So I feel like I have, yeah. yeah, I feel like I have so much more focus with a spotlight if I'm the pilot. You know, I feel like there's, you know, I feel like I call it noise. You know, you've got you've got the noise of the the background. You've got the noise of the ground. The, um, you know, just all these things that won't be in your way, but they get to you subconscious. You know, subconsciously. And whenever I fly with like just nights or night <laughs> spotlights, um, I, I feel like the the sky is less noisy. Like I feel like I can focus on just it's like me and the helicopter, you know, and, and I just, I feel like I can, I'm just more focused on it. And, you know, personally, I, I love the spotlights. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. I always felt, you don't have to worry about hitting the ground because you can't see it. <laughs> so if you can't see the ground because you just look at the helicopter, then, Hey, you know what? You don't worry if you're six inches <laughs> off the ground or six feet. You know, I was in Detroit uh, many years ago at uh, big D's fun fly and a bunch of people were talking to me at Tony Whiteside, especially he was, uh, they were trying to get me to go up. I believe, yeah, I think it was Tony Weiss. There was a couple Probably of instances Tony. where he got me going. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and I uh, I had had a incident with my Nitro seven hundred, and so I, all I have is my Goblin five hundred. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll go. So I take it up, I spool it up, and I pop the helicopter nose up, and then I shove off to the left, and everybody went to the right, <laughs> and it was it was piled in before. It, everybody and there was like four guys on the spot on the spotlights man and i mean yeah that was no fun but that was the first first and only time i've ever seen that yeah most of the time everybody's in sync but spooling up spooling up full tilt before you leave the ground and you just go pow pow and you're gone and yeah that was i i i could see how that could happen (laughs) so So, when it comes to the beam angle for that with these types of lights, it's a lot less of a concern because we've had Maxwell do that to us, and it's still sufficient. Yeah. Well, you you spotlighted for Garrett too, right? He likes yeah. to escape the lights. Like his his he entire does, game yeah. is he wants to escape the lights, and he will. To- 
God, he is so out there. He he's so far <laughs> yeah, messing with people. Awesome Instantaneous pitch changes too, man. Right. Yeah. So yeah. one one last thing about spotlight flying is choosing your light holders. Make sure they're not guys that you owe money to, right? <laughs> Facts. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. But uh, yeah, you got to be respectful to them because if you're going to be pushing it close on the deck, you got to make sure their safety is also your priority because they are doing you a favor. Uh, they can walk down, walk away and put the light down if uh, you're pissing them off. So you right. got to be careful with that. Yeah. <laughs> then right. you've got the one little gyro light to fly by. That's no good. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, that bad. does not work. <laughs> you've tried. I've tried. So so let's let's just uh, level four lighting effect. Level, level three. Level three. Oh, we're at level three, huh? Oh, yeah. we don't know what glow wire is. Yeah, yeah he's he's, uh, he's he's playing he's with flying, the uh, he's playing with the notes and it's messing me up. <laughs> so yeah, level three. So I call this glow yeah. wire, uh, glow sticks, or LED light strips, like the twelve volt ones that you'll find. Um, so what these are, glow wire. It's a little bit older technology. It's not very common now. Uh, you would essentially apply voltage to it through a controller and the entire wire lights up as a continuous stream of light looks really good uh, a little bit dim though unfortunately as well as glow sticks uh, so i'll talk about 12 volt led strips um, these are things that you can get from you know, amazon or sometimes even electronic stores will sell them it's a very it's just a dumb light all you do is apply either 12 volt voltage or 24 volt voltage to it and the light lights up it's set color the colors don't change so you buy whatever colors that you want and the brightness of them is directly correlated to the voltage that is put. So if it's a little bit too bright at 12 volts, you know, give it 10 volt or 9 volt to get it to the brightness that you want. So a little neat trick that you can do here is actually utilize a brushed speed controller. So put the battery into there, and then the two output wires will go to the LED strip. You tie that to a radio channel on your transmitter, and you can have a knob to actually adjust the voltage in real time. So if you want to turn the lights on, you know, flip a switch or utilize the knob to adjust the brightness based on your comfort level, because bright lights are very difficult to fly under. Um, generally speaking, I'm flying at about 10% of the output brightness that the lights are capable of just because you, you, you need a lot less light than you think you do. Now you're talking my speed. This, this is about the level I got to when I night flew all the time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so it's pretty straight, straightforward. Um, you take the light strips secure them onto the helicopter, and then um, just make sure they have power. The power doesn't have to be any specific order. Um, it's pretty straightforward. So when you talk about um, lighting the helicopter, this is because this is the first time we talked about actually putting lights on a helicopter. Right. What do you recommend? Because I've got your um, write-up, and I'm actually putting lights on a RAW. And my right. first thought was, all right, what lights do I need? Do I need to kind of draw a an outline of the canopy, one down the tail. I mean, what is minimal that a person should, I mean, you're not trying to put lights on everything. You just want to create a, what's, what's your thought process? So the biggest thing is going to be the, what you reference on what you fly. So a lot of people will reference the skids. Some people will reference the tail fin. That is something that you need to make a decision on because that will be the most important thing. So for me, I look at skids, canopy, and tail fin. Okay. So I could, technically speaking, fly without the uh, the boom lit up, but that is the secondary level of lighting to fill in those gaps. Okay. So you got to make sure those first things are taken care of, and then based on space, availability, and budget, 
you will fill in the rest of those gaps. Now, how do you I attach... find that people I find people go a little berserk. They feel like they need to light up the entire helicopter. They're scared they're not going to be able to see it. And the problem with that is it turns into a big light bulb. And now you can't distinguish what end is what. That's a big, so big it's deal. Very, it's very much a trial and error kind of thing. So what works for me might not work for you and vice versa. But the whole concept of putting 500 lights on a helicopter is overkill. So I guess not necessarily. Is... It depends on how you light it, because okay. if it's all red, Steve's point is entirely valid. It's just going to be a giant mush. Okay. If you have, well, no, we're jumping the gun a little bit, but if some of those lights are off at certain times and some of them are on at certain times, you're having, you know, half the lights on at all times, right. but uh, different parts of it for different effects. Okay. So the takeaway is you don't need as many lights as you probably think you do. That's a big you're one. You're not yep. trying to put up a Christmas tree here. You're you trying can always to add more. enough light to eliminate the the features that you target or you visually um, key on when you're flying. And more, more often than not, you are going to actually need less light than you initially anticipate. So don't overthink adding lights everywhere, right? Absolutely. And one of the things that you can do, especially if you're doing simple LED strips, is you, because the power can be put in any order, you can always add more or take out. Okay. That's the biggest benefit there. All right. The soldering is super easy. Yeah. Because I can speak to watching people fly with very little light. I think it was year before last, JC Zanka was flying one of his helicopters with the shake glow stick. He zip tied mm -hmm. one to each skid and one to the tail boom. And he flew a 3D flight. Wow. Yeah. And I go, how do you see? He goes, well, I see the three lights and I can watch the little glowing dot on the demon. I was like, oh my Lord. Yeah. And he goes, that's wow. old school. You know, glow yeah. sticks. So for him, you know, that's, that's what he references and that's what works for him. Yeah. So interesting. Yep. Okay. Sorry. All right, let's go ahead and move it on to level four. This is where we start getting crazy. So, <laughs> Craig, what are you doing? Anyways, so level four, lighting effects. So this is where you have either light strips or lights that are making changes in color. That's the key differentiating factor. So whether they are automated to run pre-programmed effects, where they're automated to sync to music, the biggest thing is that you are now changing color the big thing that is added on compared to level three is you now have a signal wire so that is a big big deal when it comes to soldering and planning but first uh, i do need to give a shout out to mr robbie watts with chimp systems and the old school dalcon uh for those of you that don't know the dalcon was a lighting controller that he and a college roommate of his developed uh what you were able to do is plug in the dummy light strips from level three um, and the lighting controller would either turn them on or off depending on the custom software that they pro that they made. And you could use your keyboard to you know, like basically pay the piano and turn lights on and off. So rather than changing colors, what he was doing was turning those light strips on and off. And that made the helicopter have certain effects. And those, sync those were syncing to music and could play a routine. So now, those did not use signal. I, I want to point out here. Uh, and I'm just going to say anybody that didn't get to see Bobby Watts fly with the Dalcon missed out. Gregor, yes, you absolutely. probably got to mm. see him. Oh, I don't, yeah. You, yeah. Videos absolutely. don't do it justice to watch they him fly don't. three inches off the ground when it used to be a more of a hump at Urcha or XFC and to watch him night fly with that Dalcon. It was mind-blowing. 
Uh, but was. honestly, Satinder, when you get into your next thing, your system is just as much mind blowing. Like it's it's next level from that, which is awesome. Right. That's but always Dalcon, the like I said, that definitely he definitely took it somewhere that I don't think anybody was even considering. Yeah. yeah. And dominated the night flying competitions for many years. Yeah. Yep. I know uh, Ben Stork and his dad put together some amazing systems in their time too. I mean, you just didn't see those kind of things, you know, Bobby Watts. And I, I remember the first time seeing, I think Bobby Watts or somebody, they had this big uh, square like body and they were, you know, it was just a bunch of light sticks and they, that would, they incorporated like a person set up with light sticks, you know, the shake sticks uh, right. into Bobby's routine. It was just absolutely amazing. So, yeah. So, let's touch base on kind of what you said before uh, with um, Ben Storick and his system. Mm -hmm. So, that type of system is the foundation kind of, uh, we use a similar technologies that is called NeoPixels. So, NeoPixels are specific LED light strips, um, generally speaking, WS2812B strips. Uh, Just do a Google search for them. You can always buy them on on Amazon, super simple. Uh, These are types of pixels that take power five volts and it has to be five volt exactly it's not like you can change the brightness based on the voltage because it's a digital system and they have a signal wire that signal wire requires a lighting controller whether you're using an arduino like ben storick or whether you're using uh, a raspberry pi like i am that is the key thing is the controller because you are digitally setting the brightness of the lights you are digitally controlling which color um, and timing of all of those lights. So when you look at um, Nightwave Systems, which was made by Ross Cooper Smith, uh, he's making a custom control board that is a, lot, a very plug and play, uh, has pre-made effects that you can control with your cell phone to get them all programmed up. So the lighting controller that you have determines what you're able to do with these NeoPixels. Interesting. You said it's called a, a Raspberry Pi? Yes, so that's a Raspberry Pi. Um, you can install different softwares on it. So what I'm using is technically a uh, Christmas light software called Falcon Player. And that is actually what controls the lights. Makes it very uh, a lot more plug and play than a, a hard-coded system that Ben Storick uses. Gotcha, okay. Yep. Interesting, I'm looking at that right now online and, and uh, <laughs> it looks like a circuit board. Yeah, basically, it's of- just a it's just a straight uh, you know PCB with a bunch of controller uh, components on it, and you plug nice. your SD card in, upload the firmware, and then utilize the software there. Beautiful. Yep. A bit of soldering involved, but you know what? We can solder a speed controller. We can spot or can control wire. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's more. I wouldn't say tedious. It's just more delicate. You yeah. uh, you have very smaller uh, connections. You know, it's pretty much servo wire size all across the board, mm-hmm. and um, literally. And uh, you solder those in, get the wiring connections done. So when it comes to the actual wiring, the NeoPixels are a little bit different than the 12-volt LED strips that we talked about earlier in that they must be programmed in series. So that is a huge thing to note. So you can't just you know apply power from here and get the signal from there. It has to be in order. So of course, power can technically be from anywhere, but when you're wiring the signal in series, might as well do the power. So you have to decide your layout before. So it's not like the 12 volt LEDs where, oh, I need to add the boom in, solder it in later. Technically speaking, you can do that. But the way you cut the strips, the way you design the layout of the helicopter 
you want to get it all figured out ahead of time. So that way, when it comes to the soldering, it's a, it's a little bit more linear of a process to knock it all out in one go. Did I hear you say... Did I hear you... I was just saying, everything ends up being soldered up in series. Exactly. That's the, the key differentiator. Yeah. Do you have to actually like count the amount of LEDs so you know yes. what you're doing across? I thought Absolutely. I remember you saying something about that. So when you have, let's say, 100 LEDs, um, for those of you that do software programming, you understand that zero is actually one. So you start at node zero, and you have node 99, which is the last one in this example. So you have to tell the control board and the lighting programming software how many LEDs you're using. So that way, when you go ahead and start programming the lights, you say 0 through 50, uh, zero, sorry, 0 through 49 is going to be red, and 50 through 99 is going to be blue. So that way, when you press play or trigger the signal, that is actually what is given out on the controller. Hmm. So, so you, you can you turn actually... on or off in the, any individual light in that string. Correct. Depending on how you've got it grouped. So uh, you can have it in groups. You can have it in individual nodes. Right. I prefer doing groups just so I have my canopy. I have my boom just so I can make it all in one go rather than having to yeah. individually do it all because that's a little bit tedious. But you can break it down based on the type of effect you need to do. Most of the time, I'll just do groups, you know, skids, tail fin, boom, canopy. Mm -hmm. And then if I want to do something fancy like have does canopy turn into a rainbow, you're able to do that as well. Because in that group, you can assign effects. The Falcon, that software, that Christmas light software, has certain built-in effects that I was playing with the other day. So there's there's two sections here. The first one is the actual lighting controller, right. which is Falcon Player, um, and the second part is the lighting software that you use to build the layout. That is called X lights. X lights. So yeah. there's there's a couple other uh, things that you can use to program lights, but that's the easiest thing in this situation. So in X lights, you import the the groups you set up the layout you actually make a graphical interface so that when you look at it you can see what the hell he's going to do and um, kind of like a, a video editor or um, a lighting control software for those of you that know djing you're able to visualize what you're going to get and then you develop the sequence that you want then you export that into falcon player so that way falcon player can output the data uh, so tender and somebody hears it it like he said there's a like you import a picture of your helicopter. So I've got a picture of a helicopter on my screen. I mm -hmm. can draw my lights, lay, lay my lights, lay them on this helicopter screen. And then as you're playing the music and telling it to what the lights, you can actually see a, um, a run. An overlay. An overlay. Yeah. You can watch the, you can listen to your music and you can watch your lights work. And if it's not quite what you want, you can set and tweak that on the screen and get it all coordinated. Exactly. So with X lights, one of the features is that you can import a picture. So, using for Christmas lights, right? You put a picture of your house. In this situation, you put a picture of your helicopter. So you get that set up, you draw the lights over the actual unit, you tell X lights, I have 100 lights on my canopy, 20 lights on my boom, uh, etc. And then you can import music if you want to do a musical sequence, you know, you see all the waveforms, you can get it all synced up, or you can just do basic effects if you want to keep it simple. Yeah, I'm trying to do Hell's Bells. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll yeah, send you a I'll send you a data file just so you can get some light on your output for the one you're designing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, all the stuff that we're talking about, I do have a 37-page step-by-step tutorial on how to build the ultimate night heli setup. Um, all the stuff we're talking about for Falcon Player, X-Lights, all that stuff, everything is on here. It tells you how to set up the Raspberry Pi. tells you how to solder everything in very specific orders. Um, it's a step-by-step -step tutorial that I've had several people 
already utilized to get a helicopter in the air and start. So this, that sounds really daunting when you say 37 pages, (laughs) but well, what you said is you do really have it broken down into sections. Yes. And there is a group of, of folks that is already doing this, that have already asked those questions and you've already updated these instructions. And honestly, it's so simple. Even a caveman like me can do it. Uh, I don't want to go that <laughs> far, but someone like uh, Gregor or Greg could do it, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it is step by step. It really, really is. Um, the reason why I made it so long is because I've I've built the official uh, initial tutorial, and then I've had people come up and say, "Oh, but what about this step?" You get that updated, so that mm-hmm. way the next person coming around has all the information they need. So you can't just Hulk smash it and make it work. No, Hit unfortunately not. No. Hulk smash. Hulk smash. <laughs> And I can attest, it, it's it's very detailed. I'm working my way through it. You know, I've yeah, right. So Greg is actually building one of those systems right now. Yeah. Uh, I had a local pilot here build one, and then um, Alex Dean out of Texas, he built one as well. He's been flying it, and having a lot of fun with it. I watched you guys tune it and like tweak it and and do some music to it. And I talked to Alex quite a bit, um, and he actually yeah, it was really cool to watch that process and to watch you guys go through it. At first, you guys looked like just. I'm a nerd, and you guys took it to another level of nerdism. <laughs> and but honestly, it was really, really cool. A nerd's yeah. nerd, definitely. <laughs> a it's, nerd's a, it's another. Nerd. It's a side hobby to geek out. You know, that's what I really love about it. So, that's cool. How do you mount those lights on the canopy? A lot of so, those lights show, come up like a a two sided tape of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, is that stuff good enough? Because one of my first fears was. I almost imagine I lift off the ground. I'm hovering. I go do a TikTok, and all the lights fall to the ground, and my dark helicopter goes off into the distance. You know. um, so the biggest thing is uh, you want to don't go super super cheap. Look for LED strips that do have a legit 3M adhesive. Um, I have found that they are reliable enough to solely rely on the adhesive. Okay. Um, if you do have situations where you know it's a really long run and the edges start to peel a little bit, um, just put a little bit of hot glue on there or a little okay. bit of 3M to cover those connections. Okay. Um, the other thing I was thinking about, so I'm always nervous about those, the little bitty wires between them all. Mm-hmm. Do you put a little hot glue over those to help stabilize that? Yeah, so that? In, in certain scenarios, let's say you have a tight run where it needs to go from the skins to the frame and it's a very tight joint. Right. Uh, I put a little bit of hot glue on there just so that it has a little bit of structural rigidity to it because okay. I've had um, situations where those do pop off because you know it is servo wire. Yeah. It's really small. The pads are really small. So you can add hot glue on there to secure it. Um, mm-hmm. When I have sections like the canopy, honestly, I don't do anything. There's no insulation, nothing. Okay. I haven't had any issues with those coming off. The biggest thing is just going to be the tight areas because you want to do some test flights during the day because some of them will rattle loose. When you have two, three, four hundred connections like some of my crazier builds, one of them is bound to come out, You know, right? I like that. So do the test flights during the day so if the lights go off, you can still see it. Exactly. I like that. <laughs> I actually I have a canopy that's from 2014 I made and much to the same technique. I have the old school just strip LEDs. But uh, it's a combination of the 3M tape and a combination of, you know, key strategic hot glue. And that canopy has been through three different moves, like four four different moves, actually, plus all the different travel to fun flies and things of that nature. And it was actually used in XFC, so it was really beaten on. It wasn't just my lollygag flying. And uh, it's still in one piece. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it actually is pretty amazing how well they, they will adhere if you do it properly. Yep. So you just got to make sure those solder connections are good and you'll be surprised. Very cool. So when it comes to actually doing the layout, 
the biggest thing is going to be, you know, what do you key off of? For some of my crazier builds, I put lights everywhere. Skids, front of the skid, back of the skid, bottom of the skid, the frame sides, canopy, under the canopy, frame tops where it goes to the boom, all four sides of a boom, both sides of a tail fin, and even a custom tail blade system that I'm building, which is a little bit crazy. But, um, you know, based on your budget or how many lights you want to put on, how much time you want to spend soldering, the layout is what you want to get. And from there, you're able to adjust it a little bit. I've always been fascinated by the blade setups, you know, I mean, you've got something that's, I mean, you understand it's like super easy, like, well, not, it's not easy, but, you know, laying it out on a surface that's fixed and not rotating it a few thousand RPM, you know what I mean? And, and so the blades, the blades really, I think that's awesome how you guys do that. So. Yeah. So for the tail blade system that I have, um, I've, I've done a lot of talking with Ross Cooper Smith, um, we went through pretty much every iteration of trying to put lights that are programmable on 115s and tail blades, and it's impossible. You are not going to have the strength. You're not going to have the dexterity that you want. So I had a crazy idea, and what I did was rather than trying to move the light, put a fake tail ring on there. Oh, yes. So I saw you guys messing with that. So the one it I looks had, awesome. the one I yeah. had at the uh, the ranch this February was a small scale version. That was the first test. It's full scale now, full brightness. Looks amazing. So oh. what this is is it's a three D printed ring and a three D printed uh, mount that mounts onto the existing tail fin. So imagine a tail fin um, doubled up. So you have one on the top, one on the bottom, and right. you have points on. It's a three points of contact, one on the boom, one on the top of the tail fin, one on the bottom. And you 3D print a giant ring and you zip tie it and mount it on there. Then you have the LEDs that shine up and light up the actual ring. So you're able to make it look like you have color changing tail blades that the, the lights can stop. They can the rotate in one rotate. direction. They can rotate in the other direction. The lights don't actually move. It's just the pixels lighting up and turning on and off. Yeah. So when you see it in the sky, it actually looks like a tail ring. And you say, whoa, those 100%. tail blades are changing colors. It, I was amazed when I saw it. As a person that wanted to do exactly what you achieved, you know, without moving it, it looks like it's moving. It's 100%. It is so exactly. cool. That's so cool. we had a couple iterations of it. Um, we settled on what we call the lollipop. Uh, what we did initially was we put the tail ring on there and kept the boom lights that overlap and the tail fin lights that overlap. And it's just too much light, too much going on in back there. So what we decided was have the tail boom and the lights don't go all the way. We turn those ones off and it's essentially a lollipop with just the tail ring. So no tail fin and no overlap with the ring on the boom. So now we utilize that and it looks far superior in the air. Nice. That's awesome. Yep. That so that's a lot that. of fun. Yeah. All right. This is what I'm interested in. Because to be honest with Tinder, I'm almost probably think trying to talk myself out of just build myself instead of 800 blades with Big Raw. Oh. That'd be cool. Oh. <laughs> yes. Speaking of blades, main blades. Uh, it is way easier to do stuff with the blades, the main blades, because they're a lot bigger. And you have mounting surface, which is the rotor head. So there's three ways of making DIY night blades. So, of course, we already know... Um, the Rotor Tech Auroras, those are my go-tos if I was going to get 
off-the-shelf blades. So like $300 or $350 once you count for the battery, the charger, the blades, and everything. Uh, if you're looking for something that's turnkey, those are the go-tos. They have chips that actually do change colors. They're preset, that cycle. They look amazing. So if you were looking for something a little bit more custom, you want something that is unique to you, DIY is the way to go. So there's three ways. The first one is the old school method. This has been done for a long time. Um, it's not anything I created or anything, but uh, what you do is you take uh, resistors and LEDs, bare LEDs. You lay out copper tape onto the blades. Like Gregor's showing us some blades of his. But uh, you take the copper and you basically make traces on the actual blades. You solder and super glue the LEDs and resistors onto it, and you attach a battery, you know, like a MCPX battery with a little connector, so that way you can turn it on and off whenever you need to. In my experience, um, I initially did it, because these these the blades and the, the tape and the LEDs do not add any weight. It's a couple grams, if that. So in my experience, what you can do is only one side on each blade. You don't need to do both sides of each blade. Do the top of one and the bottom of the other. Placement, say, LED placement, I think is something you should touch correct. on too, because that really affects the airflow and everything else. Uh, I think we've all heard it before when we've, I know I have, uh, but yeah, I know you worked on your placement of it. So I think that's a key thing too. So when it comes to the copper tape and the small LEDs, it's not that big of a deal. Just put a three, four LEDs. It's not significant. Once you get stored the crazier stuff, it becomes a much bigger deal. But uh, the other thing too is redundancy. If you have a top of one, bottom of other, one goes out. And eh, that could be bad, but you gotta trust your building skills. Uh, you of course can make them equally identical. You gotta make sure this, uh, the placement of the LEDs is millimeter perfect because you don't wanna see overlap in flight. It looks really bad because you can see the mistake. Um, but that's how you're gonna do it with the copper tape. Uh, of course, all of these are in my tutorial. So step-by-step -step pictures and everything like that. The next step is going to be utilizing the NeoPixels and an Arduino. So you say, how do you put an LED strip on a blade? And where do you put the Arduino? Because it's spinning really fast. Um, I've, I've tried you know, wireless and things like that, trying to communicate with the fuselage. It's just not worth the hassle. So what I figured out a way to do is you take WS2812C strips. These are about five millimeters wide. Um, they do significantly affect the flight characteristics. I will say, if you take, um, I don't want to throw brand names out there, but if you take a very high agility blade and think of the lowest agility blade you can think of, that high agility blade turns into a very slow blade. So, so, okay, I'll just throw it out there. Revos and KBDDs in my experience. Imagine a Revo spinning as slow as a KBDD. So I use Revos uh, because they are the fastest blade. So yes, it's an expensive hobby. So I use solely Revos because of that. So when I lose a little bit of agility, it becomes kind of like a normal blade. So by putting the LED strip on there, um, currently I haven't tried milling out a strip, but you put it on there, the 3M adhesive is good enough. We use a little bit of blender and tape on each side so it doesn't peel. And you have about 80 LEDs on each blade for a 700. Wow. That is a lot. When you look at it in a rotating disc, it looks like just a curtain of color, which is exactly what you want for that type of effect. So wow. now you say, where do you put the battery? Where do you put the Arduino? We have, uh, I have 
specifically designed and 3D printed mounts that clamp onto the Spectre head block and the Protos uh, head block. So it clamps on there and you have a little tub and that tub stores all of your electronics. You put a cap, seal it off with a zip tie so nothing flies off. That keeps all of your weight in the center. Um, it's not that big of a deal than you would think. You say, oh, he's got to be you know, inch perfect. Not really. It's not that much weight and it's very close to the center. The biggest thing is going to be the blades and the LEDs. You got to make sure those are pretty centered off because that is uh, relatively a lot of weight as opposed to what's in the center. Right. That's cool. Yep. So what we're trying to do right now is, so we have like rainbow effects. So it looks like your entire disc is a rainbow emanating in different areas. So the next thing we're going to try and do is like persistence of vision. So when the helicopter is doing a TikTok, kind of like the Night Magic Blades, you see a checkerboard pattern. So it's not just a ring with multiple colors. It's actually sections of the blade are in different colors. So that is based on the different types of RPM you're running. That is a key thing that's dependent on RPM and also the how we program the effects. Right. Very cool. So that's getting pretty intense. And like I said before, this has a dramatic effect on flight characteristics. So do not think you're going to go out there and TikTok the crap out of it because, um, you know, testing Alex's Night Protos, that's one we're going all out on. Uh, 1800 RPM, you do not want to go higher than that because you will burn up your ESC and you will kill your flight battery because the drag is is too substantial. So if you want something that's a little bit slow flyer, you know, a lot of cool effects in the air, it is amazing. But if it you're looks looking- very cool. It does. And yeah. if you're looking to smack it, that's not the right way to go. That's why we have step three. So this is the, if you thought laying down LEDs on copper tape was bad, now we're going to put three layers of copper tape because now we're going to add NeoPixels and have a signal in the center. You take the bare LED, you got to place it perfectly and you got to lay out the tape perfectly so that the spacing is right. And now you can manually do the layout that you want. So rather than doing 80 LEDs, no, now you do eight or 10 just because it's a pain in the ass. So you have three, three copper traces going down the, the blade and you can lay out the LEDs exactly how you want based on the first method. And that all goes down to the Arduino, the battery, um, all in the head block. So that does not sacrifice flight characteristics uh, at all. We tested that with the VTX blades and eight LED strips. And you can smack perfectly fine as if it's a normal blade. Very but cool. you do not get the curtain of light uh, that you would have gotten otherwise. Gotcha. Well, that's cool. Yeah, so yep. I'm, I'm probably, to be honest, my first set of 800s, I'm probably going to go copper tape and bare LED resistors. <laughs> yep. That is that is the way to go because it's relatively foolproof. If one of those LED fails, they're in parallel, not series. Right. So that'll help you a lot. Yeah. So I, and I just think it'd be cool to do something that big, that slow. Absolutely. So, and I figured that that's a really big blade. So my eyesight would allow me plenty of room to. There you go. Yeah. So All right. that's DIY blades. Now, this is the ultimate, right? Where everything talks. Oh, all man. dances together. Yes. This is incredible. So obviously, we mentioned that NeoPixels are the way to go. You're able to control them with an Arduino. You can trigger them on and off. You can program them to music. So now the idea is going to be getting the blades and the fuselage to sync together. So you could do it where you have you know wireless communication between the fuselage and the blades. It's not worth the hassle in my opinion. So 
what it is, it is two entirely separate systems that have two receivers that connect to your radio. So iFly Jetty, uh, you're able to have two receivers at the same time. You have one. So in the head block, you have the receiver, you have the battery, and the Arduino. And then on the fuselage, you have your normal receiver uh, that goes to your flybarless unit. And then uh, you plug in the Arduino just like a uh, switch glow, um, that kind of thing with a, a servo connector. And you flip a switch, you have it programmed to both of them trigger at the exact same time. So that way, your blades turn on at the right time for the music, and so does your fuselage. Very cool. Yep, because so, when you have... Go ahead. Now, you have, you've got level 7, which is not on your screen. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So is that the one where he makes it for you? No, no. Level 7 <laughs> is where you have... I'll take that one. All right, so you've got synchronized blades. i got an add-to-cart button. Synchronized fuselage. <laughs> yeah. Synchronized to your jacket. So, uh, yeah, you can do that. Um, so you three receivers. I, I thought about doing that, and you actually don't need three receivers. You could just have a button that you press on your jacket as an independent system. Oh, okay. oh, that's true. Uh, like a right. lit, propeller on your hat, you know, so yep, you yep. Know, pilot so, synchronizes with the helicopter. That is, uh, if I'm trying to put on a show, you know, that is something I've thought about. So that way you can, uh, yeah. you'll be able to do that. And then level eight is where you sync the crowd now. Everybody wears lit hats, you know. Yeah, there yeah, you go. There you go. <laughs> it's doable, for sure. Well, I, so, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm excited. I'm, I've got one that I, I stalled out because when I was going through X lights, I was having a hard time getting the um, different uh, zones mapped out and get them to stay consistent. And Right, right. Uh, so that's just probably me not paying attention and reading the instructions very well, so I need to go back. Yeah, and, problem exists between chair and keyboard. Yeah, exactly. So that'll be my next step is to finish that up, but also, like I said, play around with the uh, the blades themselves. Yeah. Definitely. But, That's cool. No, it's neat. And like I said, if anybody hasn't seen one of the Tinder systems in the air, they are amazing. It's a phenomenal-looking system, and the capability is just wow. I think one of the other things, too, is it is relatively easy to get something like that built. Um when you, if you want to do something that's completely all out, you're looking at about two, three hundred dollars for all the electronics and everything. So, oh, that's not bad. honestly speaking, it's not too much. Yeah, um, that's not bad at all. So you're able to get something that is very unique. You make it your own. You can do all sorts of colors that are comfortable for you. So, hey, Greg. Yeah. I think you should talk to Alex because it sounds like Satinder. I don't know. Are you driving out there, Satinder? Uh, you won't have yes. time to nightfly, will you? No, I won't. Unfortunately. I want to see if uh, I just know Alex. Uh, he's a great stick. He's a very enjoyable to watch. Uh, really smooth with the night flying. I would be. It would be awesome if we get him out there because he's just over in Texas. Yeah, he, I think he'll be there. And if you've heard the rumor, I mean, there's only steers and night flyers in Texas, is what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> or gassers, I guess. There's gasser guys too. Gasser guys. So, yep. so tender. All right. What's up? I'm a. I'm a person who's never flown at night. All right, okay. and so I may have done a, uh, I, I've done a, um, a construction light tower flight. Maybe my buddies uh, convinced me to fly with the uh, spotlights, but I want to build my first system. It, it to me, it would almost feel like the fixed lights, get a couple lights glowing, you know, straight simple would be a way to get a, a simple way to get into it. Right, start there with just enough lights, get used to it, and then 
um, expand and grow from there? I think it depends on your comfort level. Um, if you're comfortable with a little bit of coding in Arduino, if you're competent and comfortable in your soldering capabilities, um, I think you can go all in. Um, I've never done the set colors or the glow wire. Okay. Um, I just went straight into it and I did do it in step-by-steps incrementally because I didn't want to throw a bunch of money at it and have it not work. Right. So I did start slowly and, you know, practice, you know, get a couple of small strips on my table, get them lined up, see that it actually works and then move forward with the helicopter. So that would be a great place to start proof of concept first, get comfortable, and then you can move forward with the helicopter. Yeah, kind of like what you have there. So you solder the connectors, you look at the lighting, see where that goes. So you can absolutely go straight into it. Um, it does not have to be daunting if you don't want it to be. That's one of the biggest benefits. See, that's as far as I got. Yeah. <laughs> it's soldered up. I run my lights. Everybody that's uh, listened to us in the podcast, you can't see me holding up my little rig in front of the screen. So. Right, so he has the... He's got the Raspberry Pi, he's got the yeah. wiring, BEC, things like that. So I so. literally just built that system, have a single strip laid on my desk, and I play with that to get it going, and now I'm programming. But the exactly. helicopter itself, I bet the canopy all soldered up. There you go. You know, so it's just a matter now of finishing the programming piece, getting it to work. So I keep telling myself I want to have it ready for the rodeo. We got time. Yeah, I need to do that. When it comes to me making night helis, usually it's all done like the week before the event. Because I'm just like, oh, dang, I got to get this done now. So I'll give myself timelines because it's like today's soldering. You know, tomorrow is programming. Next day is testing and troubleshooting, things like that. So you can actually get it done for the rodeo. Oh, I said I need to. I need to get your updated um, manual here. Yeah, so the the manual is a Google Drive. Um, it's, ac- it's accessible to anyone that has the link. I'm sure you guys will put it in the show notes. So anytime I do have things that I update, things like that, it's all done live and you're able to see them right away. So it's, uh, like I said, very step-by-step. It goes over building static blades, uh, color-changing blades, and, of course, all the information for doing the fuselage setup. Very, very cool. That's so cool. Yeah. He just put a lit canopy on his head. I think we should ignore that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah we, we we have to listen we have to ignore most of what steve says yeah nobody nobody pays attention to me anyway yeah that's funny <laughs> nice well very cool yep all so right. that's the ins and outs of night flying all the way that's from cool. your everyday fun fly to something that you don't see at your everyday fun fly yeah yeah that is so cool awesome you actually encouraged me i, I kind of want to night fly once you got to do it. it it's, it's a been totally a different years. experience been a couple of years. Absolutely. Very good. We'll get her done. Cool. All right. Awesome. What else we got going on in the world of helicopters out there? I don't know. who uh, Did SAB come out with any kits this week? <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I did get my uh, parts in for my 420. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, it was I good did to successfully see land a 420 on its head. And uh, <laughs> while I was on the while I was being videoed with the owner, um, he watched me land it on its head. Too much low head speed, too tall of grass. And uh, honestly, I just hit throttle hold and flipped the thing back up on its skids, double checked it, and threw it back up in the air. Super durable machine. 
yeah, I let a buddy of mine fly my 420. And someone says, hey, flip it to idle up. And he flipped the switch, and guess what? It wasn't the right switch. Throttle hold. Motor off. <laughs> it's all right. It, all it did was break the skids. That was it. So I got new skids in tonight. We're going to fly that 420 again this weekend. But this time I, I got that. the yellow boom. I did that to Ooh, Chad I gotta get Taylor that. at the uh, yeah. Mile High Heli Showdown. Yeah. He still autoed it. Totally down fine. Barely yeah, dinged the awesome. boom. Didn't nice. hit, didn't break a thing. And those 580 skids, for those of you who don't know, they're a little fragile. Fragile. <laughs> and then, Gregor, you've got that uh, carb to be coming to you. Should be there tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah. It looks like it'll be here tomorrow. I'm excited to get that put in there and try to today. narrow down the problem. Oh, yes. HD. HD. <laughs> nice, nice. So now I've got I got to get, get my hands on a raw now. Yeah, so my, uh, <laughs> my three-blade KSE... I have a uh-huh. friend that's going to turn into a HD Nitro, so I need to go find nice. myself a two-blade head now. Nice. That's cool. I know Steve wants a Nitro. I'm going to get him. Well, I do. Nitro. You're going to bring <laughs> I, your... I, wish I, I wish I knew somebody that could help me out with my Nitro. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> but, well, Steve, you're going to bring your... Uh, you got a fly bar Nitro coming to the rodeo, right? Yeah. I do. I'm excited about that. Yeah. That should actually be a ton of fun. I actually have spare parts for it and everything. It's a... Um, I'm totally losing. I'm thinking Fusion 50, and it's not. It's outrage. a uh, outrage, outrage 50. Outrage 50. But you got plenty of parts because you're gonna let me fly it, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got a spare fly bar too. Nice. All That's right. cool. Does that fly bar That'd... serve margaritas? <laughs> After 8 p.m., it absolutely does. Sweet. Oh, I'll great. be there to hold the spotlight. <laughs> yeah. Make sure I fly before you hit the fly bar. Oh, right. That's funny. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, that's about it. I just want to really say thanks to Satender. You have been an awesome guest. We super appreciate you coming on. Heck yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Hope that was enlightening for you. We might have further <laughs> questions for you. Um, Satender, so how can folks get a hold? What's the easiest way to get a hold of you if they've got questions? Is there a yeah. forum for this? Is there just Facebook? What, what's Is it HeliFreak? What's yeah, so the best you, way? You can get me on Facebook as Satender Dinsa. Um, you can catch me on HeliFreak as Build, Fly, Crash, Repeat. Um, or you can get me on my email, uh, satenderdinsa at iCloud.com. Cool. And we'll include awesome. that in the show notes. So if you want to get a hold of Satender, he really is your man to get you set up. He will try to steer you into the more complex stuff. But of course. feel free to start off on the more basic stuff like me. I'm a simpleton. So uh, I'm, I'm good with the base. But it has kind of encouraged me. I wouldn't mind doing a fuselage. I don't know if I want to do as complex on the blades, but definitely. And and this this whole uh, guide that you've got set up too that that is just fantastic. I mean, it's step by Thank step. You. So I think that's that'll be very useful for those that are interested in that. It's phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, Greg, what are we uh, touching base on next month? So next month we have a member of the community. Um, Runs a hobby shop. Everyone knows knows who they are. But um, Mr. Uh, Mikado himself, Brian's going to join us. Wow, that is going to be awesome. Yeah, I am sure. I know I have questions for him. Uh, if the audience will ask him any questions or anything else, anything you'd like us to cover. I don't believe he's ever joined a podcast before. We would be Back. his first. Yep. Well, that's definitely a privilege. Thank you, Brian, for agreeing Sorry. to that. Seriously, absolutely. 
Well, I mean, you figure with all the things going on in the hobby, with the marketing and what's going on in the in the supply chain and the challenges and stressors that are going on in the market right now for all these hobby store suppliers, I think it'd be good for all of us to kind of see what the battles they're up against, because um, we're kind of removed from it. We we look at an empty shelf, and I think sometimes those those guys get the raw, uh, get the raw end of the uh, you know deal because we we tend to blame them for supply chain problems and they're battling the problem the only difference is, is i go to work every day and draw a paycheck and they only draw a paycheck if they got parts to sell so right this whole supply chain issue has really put a lot of stress on these guys who earn a living keeping us in helicopter parts so i just thought it'd be really cool and i know we all thought it was would be neat to have brian join us here talk about what the struggles they are what they're doing in the market how they're trying to overcome it and i think it um it'd just be kind of neat to hear the other side of the, uh, you know, other side of the screen per se. Absolutely. Yeah. I just recently had a shipping issue where I paid for next day air. And unfortunately I chose UPS and, uh, yeah, I got that seven days later. I did call the vendor and say, Hey, is there anything I could do? And they're like, yeah, we can file a claim, but we have claims for missing stuff that still hasn't been filed. So, I mean, it's not just the parts. I mean, the parts they do have when they ship them off, I think we've all had those shipping problems. So, That'll yep. be interesting to talk about. Yeah. So I guess we'll go ahead and wrap this on up and auto on out of here. Again, Satinder, thanks so much. Thank you. And thanks to all of our listeners, all, I think, seven of them now. So we really appreciate that. And I think Gregor's mom might be one of those. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we appreciate it so much. We'll see you guys next time. Take care, guys. Take care, everyone. Adios. Bye, everybody. <laughs>